Hello. Good morning, Captain. How are you? <clears throat> How's everything going up there in uh, the fancy, <clears throat> fancy pants, uh, Francisco? <clears throat> fancy and Francisco. Uh, pretty well. Yeah, good. Pretty well. It's supposed to rain today. Again? Yeah. Do you ever get frustrated when, when uh, they say it's going to rain and it doesn't? I get, I get frustrated when it doesn't rain and they said it would. Doesn't rain. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I get frustrated all the time. So for me, that's just a the par for the par pain. for the course is old hat. <laughs> it's old hat for you. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that strange though? I don't, I don't like the rain. I like a little rain and then I want to have not rain because I, I walk or I walk a lot and, you know, take public transit a lot. So then I, I get wet. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. <laughs> mm, I get wet. Yeah, I know you do. Are we live? Yes. Dang, you are fast. Boom. Put on a two. The um, one step, two step thing. Chain of did command. You, did you ever read uh, Green Eggs and Ham? The uh, novel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a novella. <laughs> the, the fictionalization of... Yes, like, I have read like that. like Heart of Darkness. It's, it's a short novel. <laughs> I have read that. Ever gone up the river? Um, this, is, this is really stupid and apropos of nothing. But do you remember at the very beginning where Sam comes out and I think he's riding a cat and he says, I am Sam. And he comes around, he's riding a Sam dog. Sam I am. It's a Sam I am. And uh, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but uh, the, uh, the, the character, what's his name? It's not the cat. What's that guy? The dude, you know. The dude. The guy. The guy, who's, the guy who's so frustrated by Sam. Jeff. Jeff Lebowski. The dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he makes this one face when <laughs> Sam comes around the corner one time. And it's become a canonical face and a canonical noise in, in when my daughter and I read books. And imagine my face looking like his and going, mm. <laughs> And that, that has become so, like, even as of, we, we made, it, made that face and noise like three times yesterday just reading comics. Mm-hmm. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. You, just, you see somebody like Agent Hill talking to Tony when he's getting the new Avengers together. Oh. It's a shot of just Agent Hill going, mm. <laughs> And now, that is, to me, that's the canonical noise for frustration. Yeah. You just go, mm. Not to be confused with my, my sound. Which we is gotta, gotta the, shaving of, the shaving of your arms? Actually, it is very similar, isn't it? <laughs> mine's a little, mine's like probably a fifth lower. Mm. We should ask. Uh, oh, look at this cover of Ultron number one that Scotty Young did. Oh, oh my uh, gosh. Did, well, you know what's funny? Um, got a couple things in common. That's but a good I, one. I picked up uh, the Age of Ultron number one and the Scotty Young baby cover. I said this on my uh, thing yesterday, but uh, on my uh, web, web blog or blog, but it's uh, of all the great Scotty Young Marvel now covers, baby covers, this one is actually the funniest take on the actual cover. Because on the actual cover, which is so 90s, it's like embossed and silvery, um, but uh, Ultron is like holding, I think, Cap and Iron Man by the head <laughs> on top of like a pile of Avengers. It looks like Golgotha. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but it's so great because you, you're looking at the baby cover which is which is as my daughter is delighted to point out is out on a playground right and, <laughs> anyway i haven't i haven't uh, i looked at it quickly it looks good i think i'm missing something in continuity so I'm, I'm kind of holding off on reading it but another bmb that guy pushes out some titles buddy yeah he's a he's a what what someone like you would call prolific he's prolific yeah i really admire that i i i mean for obvious probably and non-obvious reasons i really admire people who've gotten there uh he's, he's got his full stride going he's the p he's this is really is his peak of, of his career you know and you know i was just realizing like he hasn't been around like that that long you know what i mean yeah he's, when did when did he first get out there i was 
I got a copy, I won't say from where, but I, I got a copy of his book about the Avengers that he wrote. So in addition to all these titles, he wrote a book about the Avengers. And um, well, I'm trying to remember, I think he's, you know what, I'll screw it up. But he started off on something like, it was less than 10 years ago. But I mean, I think he's kind of the, the lion of, of Marvel at this point, don't you think? Definitely. And that is a very interesting term that you would use, but it's very appropriate. I really think he is. And, uh, you know, I think for a little while it was sort of him versus Mark Wade, not in Marvel, but just as sort of like who's who's doing the cool yeah, thing right that now. That guy's Daredevil is yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's so weird. I said this, I think, before, but it's so weird to me. Like Daredevil has never been like a, like a favorite character of mine, but there's three different series of Daredevil that are all great. I mean, there's probably more, but I mean, there's the um, Frank Miller one, which is amazing with the big Electra scene, the famous Electra scene in it. There's the Mark Wade one, and there's the Bendis Maleev one that's really good too. So I don't know. It's amazing. He's definitely one of my favorites. Um, hmm. hmm. How are you doing? Good week? Good week. Good week. We're, uh, you know, it's. It's a weird. A, this is weird because yeah, people aren't going to, people won't hear this. Yeah. Unless they're listening live right now, they won't hear this and they'll be like, what are they, what are you talking about? Okay. Should we act like it's Tuesday? Yeah, it is Tuesday. Oh God. Big week. How was your Monday? Monday was fine. It's really, mm-hmm. you know, like every other, like every other Monday, but different. Case of the Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, I had a great weekend, got out, did some fly fishing and, uh, uh organized my hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, did some work in the garden on my raised beds. A lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie Treehorn draws a lot of water in this. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Watched it again last night. Oh, did you? Can I ask you a question? Go ahead, caller. Okay, uh, first time Deuter. Do, do you own a copy of I'm a Lebowski, you're a Lebowski? I do not own that. Okay, I, I have seen that, it, but I have not. I will send that to you literally today. Wow. Wow. Um, it's really, really good. If you enjoy The Big Lebowski, and I hope you do, listeners, uh, it's a really fun book written by the guys, I want to say more than one, who started the Big Lebowski Fest. Right. And uh, it's, it's amazing for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's got lots of that silly stuff you'd expect in like, a, like when I used to buy those Simpsons books that were like, you know, episode breakdowns and stuff, and they'd have lots of like jokey things. Like in this case, how to, how to, how to dude up your car, you know, <laughs> how, like, how to do all these things to make, make your life more like the dude. But one of the best parts is the interviews. And they interview so many people. They interview a lot of fans, like Patton Oswalt is in there. Um, just lots of people who you, you maybe even haven't heard of who are mega fans, but they talk to so much of the talent. Like Jeff Bridges wrote the foreword. They talked oh, wow. to uh, Walter. Uh, they talked to, you know, they, they talked to the, um, the cashier at Ralph's. When, really? When the dude writes the yeah. check on 9-11 for the half Like the actual... Yeah, the actress. Wow. They, they talked to uh, that, that character actor in the VW. I forget his name, John something. Oh, oh, he he's great. He's in so many things and he's so great. Uh, anyway, it's a, it's a really fun book and I, I hope I don't mangle this, but my, I showed it to my wife last night. A fellow of the fellow Seamus is how I always think of him. <laughs> I showed her the book, uh, which like so many things she's not particularly interested in, but I, I, she was like, I showed her the book. I was like, oh, this is so great. You know, for reasons we'll explain at some point, I, I'm, um, watching the big Lebowski every night. And, uh, she said, well, did they, did the Cone brothers like agree to that? And the, I don't know if you call it the overleaf. There's, there's just a quote to the Cone brothers from, you know, cited to the Cone brothers. And it basically says, um, the authors have created something like the authors have made this book with neither our blessing nor our curse. Hmm. 
just That's a very that. interesting way to say that. Yeah, they wouldn't participate in the book, but they, I think they... They, 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 it was, they were not frowning upon the book either. I don't think they don't, I don't, I can't cite this, but I don't think they talk about their movies very much, right? Like Wolverine was most interested before we knew his origin story. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I don't think they'll sit there and break down, you know, like you and I will sit there. Like we talked for 15 minutes yesterday about, you know, the dialogue in that movie. And, you know, and the fact that their dialogue like weaves through like my favorite, my favorite Coen Brothers line. Okay, then like that appears in like almost every movie, I think. Yeah, it does. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, but. Okay, then. <laughs> Colin, you are. Okay, then. But hey, and last thing on that, I mean, it's a great book and I will send that to you today. But they, um, they, they talk about how this kind of started for them. And I guess they've been in, these guys had been in a band, the guys who wrote the book, the Lebowski Fest guys. They'd been in a band and they were at some kind of like a comics show like selling something and it was a wash and at some point the guys they just started like spout like just going through lines from big lebowski like you know as you do and at one point they were saying you know shomer shabbos i don't uh i don't drive a car i don't ride in a car you know and i definitely don't roll on uh on uh on Saturdays, shabbos, yeah on shabbos and then somebody in the next booth <laughs> like a booth away goes shomer shabbos <laughs> and so they started joining in pretty soon people were like coming around just around it's like a magnet people start coming up to the booth just to talk do lines from the big lebowski that's great um so great tuesday i'm having a, a good tuesday morning feels like any other day really hmm like almost do like that? do you have a sense of days have we talked about this we talked about this you know i did not day of the week it is i had absolutely no sense of days of the week except based on if there was a program that I wanted to watch on TV for all of the years that I worked from home doing like software development. And it didn't, days didn't really start to have any kind of significant meaning until my kid started going to real school and I started going into an office to run the studio. And before that, no, all the days, it was just like slightly different activities on the different days. And now big time different, big time different. That's how you dress for work on a weekday? What Are you employed, this? sir? <laughs> Let me understand this. Um, <laughs> I've had that, you know, I've always had a, I misuse this word a lot, uh, preternatural. Like I've always had this like inexplicable ability to know what time it is. As we've, as we've discussed, I, for some reason, with all of my various maladies, and as we'll talk about stupidities, for some reason, I, I have an innate sense of what time it is. Um, and, but... Like you, I think, like I knew Tuesday was happy days. I knew Sunday was right. the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, Saturday was all in the family or whatever. But uh, I, I always hated Sunday nights. I've always, always hated Sunday nights. And I still have this weird thing of not liking Sunday nights, even though I don't really do anything on Monday, yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. But, but um, when I worked for myself, when I first started doing web stuff, tentatively is trying a career and making web pages as a, te- as a technologist. I was, well, I was a seasoned technologist, even in 1995, <laughs> you know, I could, I could, I could hook up, uh, I, you know, I knew what uh, RJ 14 meant. So, you know, yeah, you were halfway there. RJ 41. I can never remember, but I, uh, yeah, I was stupid, but, um, <laughs> I, I, then it was really more like which of the law and orders was I going to be watching on A and E, you know, and I'd watch the one at 11 I drink the better part of a, you know, 12 pack of Bush. And then at three, the, uh, cause I was making web pages as you do. And then I'd always catch the three o'clock before I went to bed, the 3am. Mm. 
But now, I mean, like, I, I still, I still feel like there's no such thing as feeling like Wednesday. And Tuesday, now Tuesday for us, as today, the day we record our program, I, I'm getting more of a sense of that because, you know, Tuesday's my back-to-work day. But, yeah, the kid thing definitely changed it. But now... Because they have a schedule and you have to kind of, you, you know, because it's it. a school, yeah, you have to adjust yourself to their schedule. Right, you become one of those, as I say, Tiger moms. It's like always driving your kid from, you know, viola lessons to soccer practice, you know, to kung fu or whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, Jake plays the viola. I no, I didn't know that. Did you know he has puppies now? He and he and Lady Ranicorn. No, I, I haven't been following. I just learned this. I'm still catching up on season five. Yeah, he's got puppies now. They're very cute. Huh. One of them's named TV. Um. So, um, can we do some follow up? I love follow up. This is my favorite part of the show. Okay, I have two pieces of uh, nested follow up. Okay. Uh, one thing I mentioned last week. And I think the week before, uh, as I, I'm really in love with this uh, Chrome extension where you just click a button and it lets you compose a Gmail message without having to like go to the inbox or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking today for how to make a key command for that. Right. Because, you know, I love the key commands. And I was thinking, hmm, I discovered there wasn't any way that I could find, I could do it with bookmarklets, but I couldn't figure out a way even using the keyboard shortcuts in OS 10 to make a shortcut. And I you know, went around and I went to Chrome, colon, slash, slash, about. I went and looked at everything. I was trying to go into these files. And then um, I, it occurred to me to look at the background.html file for, the, <laughs> for the, the extension. And the extension is to go to a URL. It's got, like, if you include the HTML open and closing brackets, I mean, it's basically one line which is go to this URL. So I'm here to tell you that, yes, that's a fantastic extension, but all you really have to do if you want to compose an email without going to any of your folders or inbox is to go to this one URL, which as usual is, is an, an inscrutable uh, Gmail URL. But mm. why am I telling you that? Well, you can do this on any browser. Bad on me for not knowing this. You know, it's like slash mail slash, I guess the key here is UI equals two, I'm going to guess. I think UI equals two is like don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But um, uh, I don't think I put it in yet. I'll put that in show notes. This is great because, first of all, it, w- it will work on any browser. I mean, anywhere you want to do it. You could do it via Launch Bar. You could do it via anywhere. And then once you do put it, if you do put it as a bookmarklet in Safari or Chrome or Firefox or Opera or whatever, it's easy enough in OS 10 to create a key command for that. So did you know that? Did you know you can just go to a URL and it just opens a new tab, and in my case, a new tab, and you can do that? I didn't know that. Uh, you know, this is one of those things that I did. I feel like I knew it at one point and then it, it evaporated from my mind. Because, because we're stupid. Yes. Yeah, stupidity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's me. Send you. See if this works for you. All right. Uh, Where are you sending it? In the robot? In the, ro- in the robot. Okay. Sorry, my allergies. Because that's a different computer. So allow me. After- oh, oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. No, I'm uh, doing it. it. I'm, co- I'm copying. I'm clicking. I'm no, clicking. Worry, I'm getting in, uh, the clip. Sh- no, in, uh, now I'm doing it, and it's there. Okay, Dan. Dan, can I ask you a question? Go ahead, Colin. Uh, if people wanted to, uh, oh look at that! Find the show notes. That's so cool. Yes, that's it is really very cool. cool. <laughs> and you better believe that's in my bookmarklet. Oh uh, yeah, menu now. Look at that. And, and then you can uh, do Command One. Done. Done. Wow. So Dan, Dan, if you if people wanted to find uh, show notes for episode one ten. 
of your Back to Work program, which we're recording today. Tuesday. Tuesday. March 7th, 8th, 9th, 11th. I think, yes, I think today's the 11th. Today is the 11th. Where would people go to find that, Dan? They would go to 5by5.tv slash B is in boy, 2 is in the number, W is in women slash 110. 110. We're going into the double digits now. Yeah. I was informed by somebody, um, I think on the tutor, via the global internet, that we have now exceeded, um, this is one of those big asterisks, you know, like steroids in baseball, yes. uh-huh. where um, or the shortened season mm, that uh, <laughs> mm, that uh, we've now exceeded Marco, who is the previous record holder for for zero to n episodes as a back to work property. Did you know that we now have the most? Yes, uh, they episodes? we were uh, this being our one hundred and tenth episode. We are now two past Marco. Yeah, I mean, like Mac Power users in the incomparable are like in the fifteen thousands. Yeah, they're up there. And it, but for what we should get specific and say for weekly shows that began on five by five. Yes, back to work is is now the usurper of all. Yes, but apparently there's someone using a jackhammer outside my office. Really? So I'm sorry. Go ahead out yeah. there and let them know that you're recording. Yeah, aren't you no, on? I, the, you're up. You're up a few stories high, aren't you? Oh, you kidding me? I could see everything from up here. There's, <sighs> hang on, let me look. It's beautiful. Uh-huh. Water. There's a road. Lots of money. That's a good view. <laughs> so, um, I think I put that into show notes. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. So here's the other thing. I don't want to belabor this, but these Seriously. are what we're, mm, what <laughs> what I'm describing here has been such a time saver for me. Um, I wanted to make a clarification slash correction. Mm. I talked about how I do the key commands for bookmarklets in um, Chrome. And you know how you know how you like set something up and then you don't remember how you did it? All you the know, time. I you know, we I remember when I first got not first got, but when I, after like a year of using Quicksilver, I I I would sit down at anybody else's computer and I felt like I was wearing boxing gloves. Like it just seems so weird to me to have to go into nested folders to do mm. something or to launch an application. That's kind of how I am with if I'm doing this stuff well, I've forgotten how I did it. Um, but here's how I did that. And this is a great tip for people to know just in general um, that is part of OS 10. It's very powerful. And I have a feeling a lot of people don't know you can do this. Uh, if you want a, a new key command for anything that can be accessed via pull-down menu in OS 10, to my knowledge, anything, um, all you have to do is go to your preference panes, your preferences area. What's that called? See, I don't even know what it's called. Yeah, go to know. system preferences, dot, dot, dot. And then go to keyboard, go to uh, go down to application shortcuts. And for any application you've got, you can create a key command of your own. I think you can actually change the key command there. So what the, the key is you go into there. So you'll find this. Go to your preferences and keyboard and so forth, and you'll see application down there. It might take a while to load. Um, for some reason, services always take a lot of load. But um, go, go to application, and then uh, in this case, you say you'll probably want to add a new application to, to that area, in this case, Chrome. And then once you're in there, you just hit the little plus button to make a new command. The key thing is to, I usually paste this in, if I can do it from a bookmark, like, put in the exact name as, as it is in the menu, the exact name of something. So for example, I'm in NVAlt right now. If I wanted to create a key command for import, I would type in import dot, dot, dot. And then this is, this is almost a hack really, but it works. So you type in the name of the menu item and then right below that you enter the key command for that. And that's all there is to it. 
And, and the, the beauty part is that this works for bookmarklets too. I guess that counts as part of the menu. So mm-hmm. if you go to show notes, you'll see what I'm talking about. I put a screen grab of mine in there. So in my case, um, control one, control two, commit control three, and so forth, up to con, uh, control zero, all kick off a bookmarklet from my menu bar. So if I want to post, if I'm on a page and I want to go to Instapaper, all I have to do in my case is hit control two. If I want to add something to our show notes, command five adds it to the live show, command six ends it, does it to the next. I've got Huffduffer. Um, and now I've got uh, the compose Gmail thing. So have you ever done that? Did you, you know, you can do that, right? I'm not, you know, I don't use Gmail in the way that you use it. No, I no, use, no, but I mean, did you know the menu, uh, the application shortcuts? Track? Well, yeah, but yeah, and again, sure. these are the kinds of things that like I learn about them and then they're instantly, instantly gone. I, but now I'm trying to change up the way that I, that I do this stuff. I'm trying to follow your advice because you've been, mm. you've been hitting me with new stuff here. New, new stuff has come to light. I, I've been wasting time as a career for something like eight years now. At what point do you have to stop focusing on doing these kinds of optimizations? And because I think that it, it could potentially become a rat hole if you no. were to, to, yeah, because if you were to say, oh, you know, keyboard shortcuts, I could, I could create a couple of, oh, that thing that I did. When do you do that? Do you make a note and say, make keyboard shortcut in text expander to do this? Or do you do it right then when you're doing it? And doesn't that derail you? You know what I'm saying? I know this I isn't do. exactly where you're going, but no, like, it is. It's it's 100 percent where I'm going. It's like it was the major, you know, <laughs> 360 degree turn. It was the major like 180 for me was realizing that. And I think this very much goes back to something we talked about a couple episodes ago of like knowing the right kind of fiddling, when to do it and when to stop. But so I think it's worth talking about again. Um, I mean, to me, again, it always starts with some kind of awareness that there's something. You get a little itch, like something tells you, mm, this is, mm, this is taking longer than I think it should, or I'm doing this thing a lot. So, I mean, the, the basic pattern is being aware of that and then applying the right amount of solution to that. So, and then that's where you can go very right or very wrong. But I mean, look with you and me, it's, I, I'm constantly doing that with text expander. I mean, I'm always realizing a new thing yeah, that, that you I can do. Saving. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't like typing my name. Uh, I don't like typing my use my, you know, basic, you know, five usernames I use for different things. Yeah. And so I've got those down to like four, um, character shortcuts that I also then replicate on iOS because, you know, I want that in every form field in Safari and stuff like that. That's, and in this case, like, um, it's, I don't know. I just, it, to me, like these are things that I use so much. And like I say, they, be, they build on each other. So I first become aware, you start by realizing, oh, there's this thing called bookmarklets where you can stick a, a, a URL in here or you can stick in usually, I guess, a little bit of JavaScript and it does stuff to the page you're on or, you know, or, <clears throat> or even something else. Like in my case, like I have one where I can uh, post using the Tumblr dingus mm-hmm. post to my blog just from hitting control three. So first, you become aware of bookmarklets in this instance. And then uh, next, you have to remember to use the bookmarklet as a way to save time. Right. You're building, building a habit, if you like. Um, then you may become aware that, boy, it would be neat if I could do this without having to use the mouse. Because I, I can promise you, at least 80% of the time, it's faster to use the keyboard for something. Um, and, then, um, and then you might say, well, it'd be cool if I could do this with a key command. Now, I mean, at somewhere along the way you hopefully realize that you could probably do that forever, right? You could go do some kind of .el thing. Exactly. Or you could write some bash script for that. But 
Um, so the general thing is I, I do try to be aware that there is friction. I try to then find an elegant or sometimes inelegant way to fix that. But, I, you know, I try not to spend all day with it. Now, today's actually a pretty good example of hopefully a little bit not stupid, which is, it, you know, you can get so bogged down in searching sites for how to do this stuff that in my case, I, might, I didn't, if, if I hadn't stopped and said, is there an easier way to do this? Mm-hmm. I might have spent all day inside of Chrome configuration things trying to hack this, spent all day on the web store. But then I remembered that there was a way to do it in this other place. So I don't, this is the artful part is I don't think there's an easy way to know um, when you st- should stop. And to be honest, I think we, if we're all trying to do this self-improvement life hack stuff, we do sometimes have to go too far to know when to pull back. But you don't want to go too far all the time. Now, specifically, um, I keep, uh, I said, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself a lot, but um, I, don't, I only have like four things to say, so it's going to happen. But <laughs> I keep, uh, again, I use NVALT which is a you know, fork of notational velocity. velocity. And I, I keep a text file in there um, where, for example, today, I wanted to know how to do something in, ironically enough, notational velocity. Um, and so I have a file in this case called nvalt, well, it's called like runx, which means it's a running file. So I can immediately find all of my running files. So that's anything where I'm appending or prepending to a list. So runx, nvalt, and then I call it uh, B-I-Q-N-X is the other thing. So I can find all of my things that are uh, bugs. Let me find the actual where I came up with that name. I don't, I don't know why I named it that, but I always use that. Um, bugs, ideas, questions, and notes. The X is a meta thing, so it doesn't get confused with a real word. And so essentially, that's a roundabout way of saying every time something occurs to me, I get the tickle that I want something. It's a feature request. It's something I want to figure out how to do. It's something I want to Google later. If it's something I can do, like I know I can do in a second, I might stop what I'm doing and go do that. For me, I know that that can be the biggest derail ever. And then I'll spend all day finding that solution and another solution and then a solution to that solution and then another thing. And oh, here's this app that I can install to play with it. Like I, that, this is the biggest thing. Like I could do that forever. But frequently then what I'll do is, I, in my case, I hit command, option, shift, N. That creates, that can create a new note um, to just go drop something in in MVAlt. Or I'll just go up into that bar and say, <laughs> this is really, really rat holy. But I've got, I can also do bookmarklets <laughs> that show me all of my, for example, back to work show notes. They mm-hmm. can show me all of my BIQ and X files. The beauty part in MVL, you use that sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. So in MVAlt, the it's mo- modeless. Is that the word for it? So if I go into the little search bar, I start typing. It finds all the notes that match what I'm typing. And as soon as it doesn't match a note, it creates a new note. But in this case, if I type NV alt space BIQNX, that's going to pull up this one file. I hit tab, I type, I'm done. So if I, what was it I wanted to figure out how to do? Oh yeah, how to select a whole URL in NV alt. Like you can do that really easily in TextMate, but I don't know how to do that in NV alt. I'll find out, but I don't want to go Google that when I'm getting ready for the show and I have like, you know, half an hour to get ready for the show. Right. So that's how I do it. And then, you know, if, if uh, there's a couple of great signs that it's time to then go deal with that stuff. One is I'll, 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 when I go and add a new note to something, I may notice I've already put that note in twice before, right? When you got a no look way to add notes, you'll do that. That's a great sign that, wow, that came up more than once, like in the last year. That's the thing that it'd be good for me to go through and do. And if you're starting to get this feeling that your, your friction is starting to accumulate, title, um, you can go in and maybe in a morning or, you know, if you're tired at the end of the day and don't feel like doing real work, that's okay. Why don't you go to one of those files and then go track down a couple of those things you want to fix? 
Um, but all through it all, there has to be a certain kind of, you have to stay, stay sort of self-possessed that you don't spend all day trying to solve that problem. Does that kind of answer it? Yeah, it does. And I think in our discussion of stupidity today, we'll get into some of this of like knowing when you don't know as much as you think or knowing, you know, learning to, to have the curiosity to find out things that you don't know and think, you know, um, but also knowing when you have enough to keep moving and develop enough expertise to know the next good question to ask. That's an obsession for me. So that's how to do that. And, and that's a, what, what else do I use that in? I use that in lots of places. You can do it in the finder. You can create new key commands for the finder. Um, which, I mean, that kind of stuff is just dynamite. Let me look at some of my other ones. I've got some good ones in here. So Chrome, like OmniFocus, I've added my own keys for things like send to launch bar. Uh, the Skype mute and unmute, I haven't mastered that yet, but Safari, uh, copy a link as Markdown, um, and so forth. So uh, I like these things. Yeah, preferences. All right, so enough of that. Can we do just a, a little bit of quick comic stuff? I got, I got two things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do a sponsor first or after? Tell me about something you like. Squarespace. Mm. You heard of them? Mm-hmm. Everything you need. I think they're doing something cool everybody's for... Talking uh, about, everybody's talking about Squarespace, Dan. Everybody's got something to say, apparently. It's literally on everyone's lips. It is. You should get a lip tattoo about Squarespace. Like where you pull down your bottom lip and inside it's a, the gothic lettering. You get a tiny... Yeah, gothic and you get a tiny picture of Ryan in there because he's so little. He is a uh, I think he's going to do it here for, uh, for South by Southwest. Really? I think so. Hmm. Squarespace <laughs> is a fully hosted, completely managed environment for creating, maintaining a beautiful website, blog. Could be a portfolio, Merlin. You're telling me you could do a portfolio as well as a blog? I'm saying it's optional, hmm. but it's included. Can I ask you a question? Is this, um, is this, is this fully hosted and managed? It is, and uh, you can even use their templates if you want to. Because their templates are responsive. So that what, what that means is if you're Andy Notko and you're using an Android device, which he switched to. I heard about that. Then uh, it's going to look great. It's going to look great on your iOS device. It's going to look great in your uh, Chrome, on your uh, Chrome Pixel, Chromebook Pixel. It's going to look good everywhere. And they've taken all of this stuff into consideration and everybody's going to get essentially the same experience. You don't have a separate site for mobile and a separate site for this. Ver- it's all one and it just, it just looks right. And you can add content just by dragging and dropping a little block. Oh, I want a Twitter thing here. You drag it over there. You do the thing. Oh, I want to have a portfolio over here. You drag it over and put it over there. You've done some really – what is that site that you're always dorking around with? My, uh, my, my slightly disused uh, site that I need to get back to? The comics one where you keep doing galleries of comics and it's all Squarespace Oh, yeah. Up. It's at MerlinM.com. Merlin and, and every M. time you mention it, I feel like going back and, and doing stuff with it. Merlin yeah. M. That's what I. Okay, so I'll put I'll put that in my uh, thing here. All right. I mean, so like, this is look at the way things, you're doing with this. Well, here's what's neat. Also, and it's hard to explain w- without using it. But you know, you're with a lot of CMSs. Um, they want to make it understandably easy for you to have a certain kind of content in a certain area. Like you may say, I'm going to create a blog post. I'm going to create a a blog. You know, as a section of my site. One nice thing in Squarespace is when you go create something like a blog, you create something like a gallery. Um, you have this is such a neat feature. You have the, I think when you do that, it assumes that you want that in the main nav for your site. So if you go create a blog called blog, you will now see in um, this, the top area of there, the pages that are public, it now will appear in the navigation. You can also nest it in folders if you want to pull down menu and stuff like that. But it's that easy. Now, if you don't want it to appear in your nav bar, all you got to do is drag that area down 
into the you know non-public, non-nav area. So if you want to develop something privately without having to be public, it's great. But then here's the other thing that's neat. And like I say, it's hard to explain, but when you... When you create, for example, that blog, you can also like add an image to that and a description of that area. That's mm-hmm. cool. So now when you go to that page, you can see that image and you'll see that your blah, blah text for introducing that. But it also, that it understands now that your blog is an object. And so if you want on your homepage, you can just drop in a dingus that says, don't just make a link to my blog, but use that graphic, use that description, right? This used to be a really hard thing to mm-hmm. do all inside of that drag and drop interface. So if you want to make a beautiful graphical homepage that links to all the sections and it will, using the template that you've chosen, it will make an appropriate uh, looking dingus for, for taking you to that section. It's hard to explain, but it's, it's really graphical without you having to be a graphics whiz. That's a, it's a very, very cool way to say it. And that's, that's the flexibility of this. So they, they, the, everything that they have now going for them, all of this, the free custom domain, if you sign up for a year or two, you get 20% off for a year, 25% off for two years. You've got the commerce so you can sell stuff. It's just, there isn't anything missing. Nothing is missing from the solution. I'm looking here through my notes. I'm looking to find something that's missing. There's nothing missing. Did you read all the way to the bottom? It's very thorough. Nothing and thorough. Squarespace.com slash back to work. Visit, just a simple visit actually makes Ryan smaller. Oh. It does. Eventually he will be... Like pocketable. He's like his own Scotty Young baby cover. That's right. You're actually will, by going to that URL, you make Ryan even younger. So squarespace.com <laughs> slash back to work. And then if you would like to sign up, yes, you can, you can get the discounts that I mentioned before by signing up for a year or two. But if you enter the code cash, <laughs> C-A-S-H. C-A-S-H. The, the, <laughs> My son's the recently name. inaugurated new name for your son. Right. Uh, you will get ten percent off. Formerly, the son, formerly known as Joel. Yes, you will get ten percent off anything that you do. And in addition, so you could get up to thirty five percent by using this, which is outrageous. And your free domain. And your free domain. So uh, squarespace dot com slash back to work. Support the show and then cash when you're ready to sign up, and you'll get you'll get cash. Mm. And our thanks to uh, Squarespace for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. Um, here's where I make it relevant. Here's my one uh, Squarespace hack that I will say to somebody who's starting with it. If you're like me, like for the last 10 years or more, We're all every, like time I, I go play, mm, every time I go play with a new CMS, the first thing I do is fiddle with templates. And I don't sit there and try to add new content. You're going to be so tempted to sit there and play with the ding guy because it is so fun <laughs> to, to drag these things around. <laughs> the ding guy? <laughs> ding guy. That's the plural of dinguses. Nice. It's from the old English via Latinate. Mm-hmm. Romance language. Um, but you know, here's, here's a tip for you. If you're, uh, you know, it's really easy to get so into that stuff that you, you forget that you're supposed to put up content. Uh, so I'll, you know what I would say? This is a great thing. Whatever you put into Squarespace as content, uh, it's going to work in any template. So if you wanted to, you could go like, like I have done, go into NVAlt or text me, write up what you want to put on the site. In my case in Markdown, which Squarespace works with nicely, yeah. you could go create all that stuff, drop it in and then play with the template. Why? Because first, you're putting stuff in there that you can put up. But second, it's gonna, you're going to understand what the template looks like a lot better than putting in a bunch of lorem ipsum text, which is fun. It's fun to do as well, but that's my tip. That's a freebie. They didn't, they didn't tell us to say that. No, they did not. Okay, two fast comics things. First of all, I want to, again, mention Superman Family Adventures, um, which I, I'm sorry to say, again, I heard has been discontinued or will be discontinued, but I think it has at least two more issues. The one that came out the other day, it's such a sweet comic. I like it better than Teen Titans. 
uh, by the same people. It's really good and really, really, it's for kids, but it's very warm. Um, like there's a lot of stuff that happens in there that's, that's really, really sweet and really, really funny. And I'll just mention that the TPP uh, comes out in July and you can order that on the Amazon. But if you've got kids and you're looking for a way in with comics, I can't think of anything better than Superman Family Adventures. It's got crypto, so cute, little crypto. He says, bark, bark, bark. And whenever, whenever, you know, like you get the little, I don't know what you call it, but you know, like the exclamation, the Cthums, like a Simonson Cthum. <laughs> Cthum. In, in this case, it's like the verb for whatever just happened. So it'll say punch, yeah. finger, like flick. That. Oh, it's so cute. And here's the other one. Now, uh, we got to keep this short because this is a huge one yeah. that we could get into forever. Do you know about the uh, announced just this morning, the Marvel Unlimited subscription? No, I, did. I haven't heard about that. So Marvel for a while has had this thing where you can sign up and have all you can eat access, well, to whatever they've decided to release, but basically their back catalog of many, many, many Marvel books, floppies mostly, that have uh, that you may not be able to get on Comixology or elsewhere because, you know, Marvel's parsimonious about what they'll put out. But in the past, you've been able to subscribe for N dollars a year and have an HTML5 online view. I think you actually do it through Safari. You go in and see these HTML5 versions, but you know it's pretty cool. You go in and do that. Today they announced, I think it's sixty bucks a year. You can have that access in an iOS app, which is you know a pretty neat idea. And I went and played with it a little bit. It, it's live now, um, and you can go get the iOS app. And one thing I don't understand, I haven't bought the service yet, but I assume you have to do that through your iTunes account. But, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's really promising in some ways. You can, once you, you pay for a subscription, I think it's $5 a month or $60 a year, hmm. which is a pretty good deal. Um, and you can have, once you've signed up for that and paid, you can have, I think, up to six com comics to read, issues to read offline. But uh, it's, it, I'm really interested in how promising that is. Just in going and playing with it, playing with it for a little while, there's a lot that, to, that will currently probably keep me off it. They don't have everything. Um, it's pretty pokey. Um, and, and what it really lacks, the Comixology has, is uh, like if you like the guided view in Comixology like mm -hmm. I do, um, you know, it's a little janky to pinch and zoom <clears throat> in HTML5. And it's, it's real speedy with Comixology. It, it, essentially, the experience of it. And for example, like I've, I can even tell you, I've got something like 12 gigs of comics from Comixology wow. on my iPad. And it's great. So, I mean, if you're offline, you can still read your comics. Um, so anyway, I would say if you're interested in this and you want to catch up on some old stuff, they are, they're throwing shapes that they are going to be adding a lot more in the future. I mean, to me, if they put the entire Marvel greater than six months back catalog in there, it would be a complete no-brainer. Just, just to have the ability to go in. Like, like right now, I don't... There's like one or two ways to find certain issues of X-Men. Marvel constantly puts stuff out of print. I don't know why, but you know, if you want to read the one where Kitty Pride drives demand, you, demand, but then you can't buy it. I know. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to like, me. I really, I really <laughs> want to buy the John Byrne run of She-Hulk. Uh, no, sorry, not the John Byrne one. The, um, so, oh, the Dan Slott, the Dan Slott run of She-Hulk. You can only get used if you're lucky, mm -hmm. like that's crazy. I mean, slots doing titles right now that people buy, like, why would you not have that available? Um, if you want to see the one where Kitty Pride uh, reads the story to Ileana with the Bamfs in it, like you have to go buy uncanny X-Men seven in hardcover or like essential X-Men in black and white. 
So to me, when they add a lot more stuff, I'll look at it. But, you know, the experience is so much better on Comixology to me. But for people who have a Retina iPad, it's got to be like through the roof in terms of quality. But if you are interested in that, go check it out. Marvel Unlimited Subscriptions. Uh, There's a link in show notes and a link to a couple articles about it. Would you say that She-Hulk is, for all intents and purposes, Marvel's Wonder Woman? Hmm. With with some additional, you know, ripples thrown in. I don't think she likes getting tied up as much. But, you know, uh, it's, you know, the actually, we'll put this in, in show notes too, in the latest, the la- latest episode of The Incomparable. Actually, you know, I don't think it's out yet. I listened to it live because I'm a dork. It's um, very much about She-Hulk. And I think later I had to stop partway, but I think it goes into other Hulks too. But um, She-Hulk was so great because according to them, and I- I've heard this is true too, but like before Deadpool, um, before any of the, like, I guess Spider-Man does it a little bit, but it was the first big Marvel book that broke the fourth wall where she would actually not only talk to the audience, but she, w- it was very meta. Uh-huh. Like the cover, the cover of, I think sensational She-Hulk number one is her holding up an X-Men comic and says, okay, this is your last chance to read, you know, read yeah, they She-Hulk. had fun with that. If you don't, if you don't read this, I'll tear up all your X-Men comics. <laughs> and she'll, she'll, she's making references to how many pages they have left to finish this plot and stuff like that. It's very cheeky, very fun. And as they said on incomparable, like John Byrne, never lost track of the idea that comics should be fun. He would do silly stuff on purpose. He, like with Watchmen, uh, in some ways, he reintroduced a lot of really, really stupid, like Marvel bad guys, mm. just for fun. So anyway, um, I don't know. Wonder Woman of that. Just, a, th- I just a, little- a thought. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. Gosh. Isn't there a, is she the color? red? Is, 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 is she Hulk red now or is she back to being green or what? Are you, are you really asking? Yeah. Okay. You got, you got Hulk. I mean, is this what people... Never mind. Tune in for. For me, half understanding a Marvel character that they don't care about. Um, you got the Hulk. <clears throat> and the Hulk has gone through lots of, you know, changes. You can the reason he rampaged through Las Vegas, no spoilers, is for example, he got hit by one of Hydra's gamma bombs. He went back into his slightly feral state and freaked out. All this stuff happens. Now, I remember under- when he was Joe Fix It. You know, um, I haven't read that, but it sounds like he that. works in Las Vegas it's and is like weird. A, he's like an enforcer <laughs> for the mob or yeah. something. Is that Gray Hulk or Green Hulk? That he was gray at that time. Gray Hulk is he was initially gray in the first books. What what is what is Gray Hulk, modern Gray Hulk compared to Green Hulk? What's the relationship? He's a different guy, right? Tec- is, he more, is he more feral than Green Hulk? I mean, technically each of these different Hulks that we think of are different well, different, different characters. characters Red, Hulk is, yeah. Red Hulk is absolutely a different character. Yeah. So Red Hulk, I think is Well, he of, yeah, Red Hulk is uh, is not General Bruce he's Banner, general, he's General uh, uh, What's his head? Thunderbolt Lee. Thunderbolt. I should know this. And Red She-Hulk is his daughter. Hulk's former Red girlfriend. She-Hulk is his daughter. So the original Hulk, She-Hulk rather, that's related by blood She-Hulk, to... She-Hulk is, is Hulk's cousin. Right. And she's a lawyer. And in one... She's one always I, been green. I can't wait to read the slot run because <clears throat> she, she she's a lawyer and she basically defends superheroes in suits. So Spider-Man, for example, is going to sue J. Jonah Jameson for all his crap talking and so forth. That's probably enough about comics. I could talk about it all day, Dan. I know. This is, this is the kind of Tuesday where I like to sit down and just talk about comics. Yeah. I'm interested in that. I really, you know, comicsology is like my Kindle in some ways. I'm so heavily invested in that. Like I, I realized they could change their TOS someday and things could go boobies up. Like it might just go away, but, um, I really like comicsology. You know, that, that guided view for us is so great. We've got an iPad mini. And so when my daughter and I read comics, we, we go through a panel at a time. 
you know, if we had a giant iPad, that might be different. But, you know, for people who like reading a whole page and have a big screen, CBRs and CBZs, whatever those are, are probably fine. The quality is just not the same. If you get, if you get an old CBR, like I've, I've heard you can get old CBRs of like the X-Men, but they're all, you know, pixelated, Benday, you can see they're scanned. So you can see through the page, you know, you can see the 100 army men, you know, add through the page and stuff. Anyway, comics. See, now, should we even talk about our topic? No. I think we oh. just, we delve more into, into deeper obscurities <laughs> in the world of canceled Marvel titles mm-hmm. that people cannot acquire. Boy, that Agent Hill's cute. <laughs> she could straighten my life out, I think. Yeah. You know, if, if she became the, uh, the acting director of my shield, mm. I like the actress who plays her in the Avengers too. She looks like one of those, uh, she looks like one of those uh, law and order DAs, which I always have enjoyed. So you and I were, were having um, mm. computer text messages mm-hmm. in preparation for Oh, we're going to do it? Show. Okay. Well, you know what? You are not under any obligation to say anything because it sounds like <sighs> this is a sore spot. It, it really is, yeah, and I don't want to talk without about you, it. Okay, without you just saying what it is, can I at least say what you said? Yes, oh, for sure. Um, as long you, as I don't have to say what it was. Let me see. I'll read, I'll read the actual thing here from my telephone. Um, so we were getting ready to record uh, today's show. And you said to me, mm-hmm. mm, I have a story. <laughs> I have a story about how stupid I am, but I don't want to tell it on the show too humiliating. Yeah. And I responded with a text message by saying stupidity would be a great topic. I yeah. say, let's do it. So if, if, if I warm you up to it, maybe you'll consider telling us. Mm. I don't know. Is it really bad? Mm. I mean, no one was hurt. Property Good. property was damaged. Oh, no. <laughs> Did it involve computers? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Worse. <Did it> fire? <laughs> no fires. Gas? No, I, you're trying, you're, you're trying to, let's just, let's just say property was damaged and it was a stupid thing. <laughs> That's, now you're just. Because I went out of my, I have a routine of steps that I perform. And your car. Your car. And by not performing these steps, <laughs> damage, property damage took place. That's all I'm going to say. That's enough. That's all you need to know. Engine? Tires. That's all you need to know. Do you have a manual or an automatic? Oh, an, an automatic. I'm no fool. Engine? No, nothing like, nothing like that. But it was your car? Nothing like that. But it's an eight-speed uh, automatic. There's no, there, there aren't eight speeds. Uh, that's what you say. I think you can have five speeds. You can have if eight. You get something, no, if you get something from Germany, you can have five and a half speeds because of the uh, Manhattan Project. But I don't... You should double check that. Have you ever, I think you're you ever, thinking of the Philadelphia experiment. I think you're thinking of the fish that saved uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> I think you're thinking something of... something in Pennsylvania. Quaker, Shakers, eight speeds. <laughs> what was and, the name of that movie with the fish that Don Knotts played? Oh, the uh, Incredible Mr. Limpet. That's what you're thinking uh, of. <laughs> And he had, why, why would a fish have that kind of barbaric yawp that, that doesn't make any sense? Why was would he be able Here's to do that? Here's the who? What was that from? Barbaric yawp. No, that's Walt Whitman. Yeah. Same, Whitman same, same difference. <laughs> They're the same guy. They look the same. You know, I at the back of this Aesop uh, Fables like uh, book that Cash, Cash has, it's a pop-up book. And it's actually got a little thing about Aesop that explains how little we know about Aesop. 
Really? In this pop-up book. Does it explain the fox and the grapes? It's got fox. It's got the grapes. It's got the tortoise. Is that a euphemism? It's got, it's a great. Fox and the grapes, but as of, as of today, Tuesday, uh, fox and the grapes is going to be my new uh, euphemism for my Johnson. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Talking about the fox and the grapes. <laughs> That's wonderful. And from henceforward for one mine, it'll, it'll be the ant and the grasshopper. Easy for you to give instruction and direction to your uh, special lady friend. <laughs> Got the other grape. You're just helping her conceive, man. Foxy. (laughs) (laughs) What has happened to the show? Hang on. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no. No, no. Don't do that again. Once is enough. I realized after the show. You're just like like Cash. One time. It's not funny the second time. Oh, sure. It's funny. It was like (laughs) the Big Lebowski. The first time you go, well, that's kind of stupid. And then you watch it six more times. You go, God, that was really stupid. And sometimes, sometime in the 20s, the 20 or so time that you see it, <laughs> everything falls into place. There are a lot of people who would say that a movie is not good if you have to see it more than once to begin enjoying it. Like if it yeah. takes five viewings before you start to like it. I don't know. A lot of people say a lot of things, Dan. Hold on. I got to tell you the name off? of this one. It's a it, No. Okay. <sighs> Aesop's Fables, a pop-up book. Of classic tales. I'm putting this into our show notes. Yeah, I recommend did you get this. that Star Wars one with the Darth Vader head in it. No, he never it. did get that. That guy's a genius. The guy who makes those. Um, stupidity. So the engine. Did you leave your windows down? No, it's not like that. It's worse it? than that. And I don't want to talk about what it was. But did let's just. To, did you forget to change your German oil? It's not like that. Das German oil. <laughs> oil Scheiße. Anyway, they do have, it, it is an eight-speed engine. Oh, did you try to get into the ninth speed? No, no, no. It's Tiptronic. What am I thinking of? Is that that Jean-Luc Godard movie with Bruce Willis? <laughs> thinking of thinking of Jean-Luc Picard. I think I'm thinking of Breast, Breath, Breastless. Is that the French movie? No. Oh, I think you're thinking of uh, Solaris. What's it called? Aurobor? Uh, Les Enfants? What's that? What am I thinking of? Zero that means conduct? babies. Ah, that's right. The oh, it's that one, Look Who's Talking, with that guy from Pulp Fiction. Is that what you're talking about? Look Who's Talking, too. Okay. And Kristen Shaw's not in that. What's the name of that lady? Kristen Shaw's a horse. But was look look Who's Talking. There was Look Who's Talking. And then Look, to, look Who's Talking to uh, Electric Baby Lou. Look Who's Talking. Then there was Waterloo. Look Who's Talking Now. Oh, right. And then uh, Look Who's Talking Harder. Die Hard. <laughs> look Who's Talking to Look Who's Talking Now. Uh, baby Talk, the sitcom. Oh, come on. With uh, Tony Danza as baby Mickey. Huh? Are you making this up? No. Now, was John Travolta an adult or a baby in that? He has been an, a baby in almost everything. Okay. Just a, a, a large adult. Like, he looks okay. like an adult child. His, his hair uh, comes from someplace very special. <laughs> it what? Where? I've never from seen Kirstie Alley? A, a hairline so clearly defined that didn't involve painting on with shoe polish. Wow. Here's the problem with toupees, Dan. You know, get a toupee and enjoy it. But there's, there's two rookie mistakes when you get a, a toupee. Or a How do you know any, about this? Why would you know about anything I've about made, this? I've made a study of hair pieces. This is one of the things I do in my app free time. <laughs> Did we, I think we just talked about this not too long. I talked about this with somebody. Um, here's the key. This is why, for a long time, Tony Bennett and, and the late, great Frank Sinatra had arguably the best toupees in show business. All right? Here's the thing. If you... Are, are a, becoming a hairless man and you decide to wear a wig, if you're of the age when you should have a receding hairline, mm-hmm. only way to have a credible toupee is to have a toupee 
with a less receding hairline, but some receding hairline. Otherwise, it looks like you're wearing a coconut. You have to get, you have to have, <laughs> you don't have some hair loss. Nobody's going to see a 60-year-old man. No, I get it. No, that, that makes sense to me. It looks like you're wearing like a monkey fur fishing hat. So your hair is not really receding, though. Mm, it is in kind of a handsome way. And I've got great temples. You should see my hair today. I'm getting a haircut today. It's unbelievable. I can't wait to see this. So that's number one. Number one is it has to be plausible. Now, Frank Sinatra, uh, bless his heart, was already becoming a hairless man in the 50s even before his big comeback, I think that's why he would always wear that hat, that cool hat when he was recording. It wasn't because um. his head was cold. So when he got a toupee, it was very realistic. Also, part two, it has to have the coloration of a man of your age. So for example, I was in line behind somebody who was buying lottery tickets and this man <laughs> had the most luxurious monkey fur hair hat I've ever seen in my life. It was jet freaking <laughs> black he had made no attempt to have it like mix in with his regular hair and it was it was just it was appalling mm. it was uh and so you look at that and you go you know what uh you know what that's one of those things like you know like you've been horribly injured or something we're not going to make a big deal about it like mm -hmm. you but that guy you know he thinks that looks great and he's really counting on society mm. to not not acknowledge what's going on i'm looking I at mean, pictures of you and i mean you yeah. do look old but your hairline is not I have, I have thin. You look like in some pictures you look really handsome and I get why the women like you. And then other ones you look like you might've been annoying in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being, I'm just, I'm I know you're just being honest. I'm being honest. I can't help it. Oh God. If it were only like when I see pictures grade. of you with, with your kid and, and like at, at speaking engagements and stuff, I'm like, wow, you know, he looks like I, I imagine him look, he looks really smart. And then he looks there's like this, he could have a heart and learn to shut his pie hole. And there's this one picture of you. Which one? Hang on. Look, I'm, I'm looking for it. I just had it. Dang it. Where did it? There it is. I'm going to, I'll say, how do I get this to you? Oh, I'll get the URL of it. <clears throat> this one, especially. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. I'm going to send this to you in the robot. I, and I'll let you decide if you want to put it. You can in, also send in the dingus on my telephone if you want. No, nah, there it is. Apparently Wikipedia is hosting this one. Oh, yeah. Not your best look. I need a haircut there. Is that all? Oh, also, I'm wearing a shirt from Muji. That, the, that shirt's got the George Costanza problem. Look where the button is. Yeah. That button's in the wrong no, place. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not right. That is not old world. Old world you don't have collar stays in, nothing. You let yourself go in that one. And then there's this one. Look at those glasses though, huh? Yeah, you should wear glasses. Mm. Oh, let me send this one. Send this one. And then, then compare and contrast. we talk about stupidity at some point, Dan? I want to make sure we don't get through it. It is Tuesday. All right, we'll do, we'll do... Uh... Let's see. Oh, I don't look so bad there. No, but that one you look great. Yeah, but see, I don't trim my sideburns sometimes. Ooh. That's a great jacket, too. Okay. I have that jacket. Yeah. Is it Same. Dickie's jacket? Mm hmm I have two Dickie's jackets. I have one that has what an Arrogance gear patch. D Dickie's jacket? Oh. <laughs> log, log jamming? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You can, you can imagine. What is it? You People, I don't you even know what this what is now. There. He fixes the cable? <laughs> <laughs> Asia uh, Carrera is the name of the actress. Yes, yes. She she's, is a, she's a pornographic... Uh, legitimate filmmaker. porn actress. Tara Reid is not to my knowledge in pornographic films apart from Log Jamin. Right. So you are being... Uh, you're being... Um, 
inaugurated. Sketch, sketchy about this and how you've ruined your uh, costly German car. No, it's not like that. And it's all, everything's okay. It's not like that. No, it's not. I don't want to get into it, but I did something sure that do. I, I don't want to get into the details of it. I would like to talk about what happened in a different way because I didn't follow my procedure correctly. Uh, I wound up doing something stupid. I wasn't, let's go back to, I, I just wasn't really paying attention. Yep. And, and I did something stupid and there, it, it really, there's no, there's no way to go back in time and change it. Oh, I hate that. I hate that feeling so much. It's um, the worst. It's just, it kills me. Yep. I feel the same way. I mean, and, and you're, um, I don't put words in your pie hole. But it, it seems to me that you are, you are chastened. You are humbled. You are perhaps even embarrassed. No, I'm you very embarrassed. This happen, yes. And and uh, maybe someday you'll want to talk about it when you've got enough distance from it. But yeah. right now it's still too raw. You at least have the awareness that you screwed up. Yes. But it's still it's not yet something where you can it's say it's too oh, raw, as you would say. It's too raw, as well as I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So so I don't. I'm not really sure how to unpack that, except to say that I think stupidity is a problem. Hmm. Uh, no, I. I know you want more. That, I just I'm not ready yet. You know. Yeah, that's okay. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll vamp. Um. Hmm. I'm not Soon sure new. quite quite the angle in on this, but I, I think stupidity is an interesting idea. Um. On that uh, for the third time, I'll mention on that podcast with uh, with Brett Terpster where we talked about failure. Oh, I thought you were uh, going to talk about that one you do with John Roderick again. On that podcast that I did with uh, with Brett about failure, um, we were talking about you know why something fails or you know what do you do when you have a failure, and and my thought on that was that it, the failure is such a big wad of something. It doesn't really tell you that much about what went wrong. You know, failure, like success in some ways, is a postmortem. It's a way of saying, I now have enough, enough distance from this to know. And let's say even you, you know in the moment that you're doing something to your German car, you might go, oh, this is a failure. But I, I feel like when you're trying to address that, fa- failure becomes this self-esteem thing. In the some car ways. is fine, by the way. The car Good. has no problem. Well, just don't use that uh, seventh speed. I think that was a Bergman film. Mm-hmm. All for laugh. The... Uh, <laughs> remember he plays chess on the beach with that German guy? Porsche? Yeah, Porsche de Rossi. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Habla usted inglés? What, what has happened to the show? <laughs> we had such a good run there. Pop the clutch. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, as with the failure thing, like it's, it's, that's a great way to beat yourself up by going, this was a failure, that's a failure. And it's certainly, as we've seen on the internet, it's a great way to be incredibly dismissive of something and you just say that it's a failure or you fail, right? Mm. Um, Epic, but, epic fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, like you're already somewhat aware of what you could have done better mm-hmm. in that case, which means, you know, you can learn from that. And yes, we can all certainly then become too wound up about trying to not do that thing again. You know, in relationships, it's easy to realize something went wrong and then go, that'll never happen again. And like, so you become really wound up about that. You end up never falling in love again because you're protecting that bruise. I mean, how do you, how do you learn from that stuff and then get better last time? But, you know, through it all, you say, that was stupid. I just did something stupid. And um, I don't know. I thought it might be useful to talk a little bit like the, the kinds of stupid, uh, what they, I'm interested in the kinds of stupid, like what, how we would define that and like what it represents in terms of doing it better next time. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's always the focus that I have when I'm thinking right. When, when I get my mind right, I think, oh, how do I not make this mistake again? Not, mm-hmm. not what an idiot I was for making this mistake, which doesn't get you anywhere. Absolutely not. But I mean, you might also, as I have done, I probably do this 50 times a day. I mean, are you really, is one, I want to say you, are, are, are we really trying to fix a problem and like say avoid doing it again? I, I would posit that a lot of us are just trying to not feel stupid again, right? So think about it from that angle. So there's a whole continuum of ways you could address that. I don't know if I'm being clear about this, but it's one thing to say, like in my case, for example, I had a really, really cool VW bus when I was in college and I kept putting off changing the oil. And like, if you don't change the oil in an air-cooled VW, mm. you're entering a world of pain. And I was, and I seized up the engine and I had to just get rid of the car, it just sat in the driveway until it was towed away. Like that was, that was really stupid. Um, but you know, in terms of what I learned from that, well, I could learn to develop a habit of kind of remembering to change my oil and stuff like that. But for a long time, like as with right now, you might just be beating yourself up and going, well, how do I not feel stupid again? Do you, you know, are you, will you t- make changes to stop yourself from avoiding those problems? Is the problem that you're trying to fix something bigger than just you screwed up your car? You know, in my case, one of these kinds of stupid I want to talk about for myself is absent-mindedness. And, uh, you know, it isn't just that I'm old, although that certainly is a factor, but I'm frequently just absent-minded. I don't, I, I space out or I don't pay attention and I don't remember to remember. Do you know what I mean? But tell like me more. What do, you, what do you mean? I don't remember to remember. Um, let's see. Well, let, let me go through a couple of these. I, I just wrote down in five minutes before the show. I mean, I think there's, the, there's this lowest level of stupidity in some ways. And so if you go to show notes for this epi- episode, you'll see some links to stuff we've talked about before, including the Dreyfus model of skill acquisition. Like how do you go from being a novice to being a master, you know, and, and at each step of getting better. So these are these guys that did the study for the Air Force in the early 80s to find out how people learn things and what we think we know about what we know, how we get better at it, and how the whole nature of how we know what we know and how we learn what we don't know changes as we become more skilled at something, right? Like somebody who's really, really, really good at what they do, one reason we might admire someone like that is that they don't think they know everything. One way that they can keep evolving, staying current, staying smart, and not appearing stupid is to constantly let that information evolve. If you become the world's greatest medieval scientist and alchemist, well, at a certain point, you might want to look at whether alchemy is still regarded as something that's, that's a really uh-huh. great field to go into, right? So you can become the world's greatest buggy, buggy whip salesman or the world's greatest, you know, led to gold consultant. But, you know, how do you know when it's not time anymore? Well, again, you might have a lot of expertise at that thing, but at a higher level, you are perhaps a kind of stupid for not evolving with the rest of the world. You know, I mean, there's, I think the flat earth society is still around. (laughs) There are certainly people, there have been things in very well, um, boy, am I going to try and keep you from getting email here. There are things in the field of medicine in the last five to eight years that have been very controversial at the time. There are certain things Mm -hmm. about, there's the whole thing with vaccines. Mm -hmm. The whole thing with vaccines came out, right? And it's my understanding that there was essentially like, I think like one paper about this that became the reason a lot of people didn't want to get their kids vaccinated. There were some celebrities that came out, um, well-known celebrities who came out and said, don't do the vaccinations. But like, one piece at a time over the years, I mean, there's certainly people at the time who said, hey, look, 
there may be problems with vaccines, but I'm just here to tell you based on the years, the decades of vaccination that we have, that it's very unlikely that the net harm caused by vaccines will exceed the net benefit of doing the vaccines. And, but I remember like when we had our kid, we were sitting like, oh, do we, there's this one uh, kind of vaccine that has these additives. We talked to our doctor about it, but you know, months and months at a time, it became clearer and clearer that like, that this was not correct. It made an emotional impression on people. Right. And they were reluctant to let it go. Some people got further dug in and I'll have to, you'll have to tell me, guys, tell me if this is correct. It's my understanding now that the doctor who led that uh, research that caused the paper to come out, not only has the, I guess, university behind that completely withdrawn the paper, but I believe that guy's been drummed out of medicine in England. It was so off the charts wrong. Yeah, it seems yet, like he's been, uh, he's been pushed out. If you go into a McDonald's today, you might go and still meet somebody who says that vaccines are a bad thing. Uh, Gruber linked to something a few years ago, I think during the election, that something like well, well, well into this process, 25%, I believe it was 25% of Americans still believe that Obama was not an American. I mean, you could not provide enough information to people because they, that's what they now believed and what they believed had become the truth, right? And so I don't mean to just sit here and, and crow about the liberal causes that I think I'm really smart about. It can be true of anybody, I mean, I was really into Marxist theory when I was in college. I was in college before the Berlin Wall came down. Mm -hmm. I was in college, what I went, you know, and again, I know Marxism and Stalin, it's all different stuff. But there were still a lot of people who would self-identify as communists at a time when people were being sent to gulags. I bet they, I bet they didn't want to be sent to gulags. But as we learn more and more about that and how that wasn't working out, Marxist theory still has a lot of, I think, a lot to recommend it in terms of how we look at things. But... I'm rambling a little bit here, but are we up to date on the thing that we think we're right about? Have we taken new information? Have we continued to ha have and continually develop a certain curiosity about how we might be wrong about something? You know what I mean? Like when you go into, when you go into a court, it doesn't matter who's right in some ways. It matters who can make the more compelling right, case. Right, the argument. Mm -hmm. and, the, and lawyers know that. But like no matter how right you are, if you can't win that argument in some ways, I'm a terrible arguer. I lose arguments all the time. Uh, I don't know if I'm right or wrong all the time, but I know that somebody can beat me in an argument. But I mean, you know, like I say, it's it's one thing to lie to the neighbors and another thing to lie to ourselves. Like, are we keeping up to date with what we really think is 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 true and accurate? So how does this get back to to your broken car? I mean, in, in my the case, car is not you know, broken. I understand. <clears throat> it's the house. Okay. Oh, was it your siding? No, we don't have siding. <laughs> <laughs> was it your duct work? No, it's a different uh, thing. But anyway, H go. H HVAC? Car's fine. Good, good, good. Um, mm, so, so I think, hmm, I, I, I literally spent four minutes on this before the show. But I, I think at the, at the lowest level, and again, I really recommend that you go, you don't have to go read the whole paper. I think you can find that on Google Scholar. But that Dreyfus model of skill acquisition uh, stuff is really interesting. Uh, and in a nut, we've talked about this so much in the past, but in a nut, it's, it's this idea that what we, how we learn, what we know, what we think we know really evolves as we learn more. So I won't get too far into the paper because I, I can't cite it from memory, but at the lowest level, you have a novice. So a novice doesn't even know what they don't know or what I would refer as being, refer to as being clueless. So you could be and a clueless, just in, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but in the sense that like you may not, you only, not only don't know how to be effective at VI, 
but you may not know that VI exists. Mm -hmm. And you may not even know that computers can have command line text editors. Right. For example, that, you know, that doesn't mean you're necessarily stupid, but if you go into a conversation with a bunch of people who are really good at VI, you may feel really out of it. And you may even try to fake your way along like I would. But the truth is you're, you're clueless. You don't, you don't even know what you don't know about what you don't know. All you know is, oh my gosh, like what is this thing? But to me, that's the bottom level is not even know what you, knowing what you need to know something about which is, you know, maybe a little bit like beginner's mind, you know, where, mm. you know, but then let's say it is something you want to learn something about. And, you know, you can go in and learn just enough to be dangerous. I think in the driver's model, there's this idea that one of the most dangerous stages you can go through is where, you know, again, the novice is somebody who knows how to like basically heat chicken soup, right? like not how to make a good creme brulee. But you may follow a recipe often enough to think that you're a pretty good cook. You know how to Google stuff. You know how to not, not make something a debacle. You know... The Dreyfus model of skill acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a I, have, really, I have never heard of this. This is we've interesting. We've talked about it about four times. Never. Like no, no. I thought it was the thing when we talked about that was bigger, the bigger boat thing. Bigger boat. I think mm -hmm. you're going to need a bigger boat. Oh, no. I think you're thinking a goodbye girl. Oh, right. That's the one baby steps. Hmm. Um, and, and the example that I always cite from this, I cited this in a very long ranty video I did one time, is that, you know, if you go to the deli and there's that old man behind the counter that you order from and you say, I want, if it's not Safeway and they uh, give you more than you ask for, you can go in and say, I want a pound of roast beef. And that guy will cut you almost exactly a pound of roast beef mm. and give it to you. And you might say, please weigh that to make sure. And it'll be exactly a pound. Because that guy's been cutting roast beef his whole life. Now, what's interesting about that is he probably can't tell you how or why he knows that that's a pound, right? Right. And so even at very high levels of mastery, you may not know how you know what you know or, or why you know it. You just know it. It could, it's certain, you move in a way from recipes to intuition. And along the way, there's all kinds of things you got to learn. But like if you're at that second level, uh, you're beyond, you're a little above clueless, you're, you know, you may really feel like you know a lot more than you do yeah. because you haven't learned quite enough to know what you don't know. You haven't solved a problem enough in context to understand the patterns that tend to work and not work. I mean, some of the best, <clears throat> like the, um, the programming, the head, I hate to say engineer, but the head of programming that I used to work for at my dot-com job, he would sometimes really frustrate people because he would know that something was a terrible idea, but he would also be reluctant to spend an hour and a half explaining Explain why, <laughs> like why it's a terrible idea. Right. right. Well, and listen, you guys made, we made decisions a while back about what we could afford. And so when we do a nightly dump in cold fusion, we do a nightly dump out of the database of all the cities. So if you want to do a search where they can change from three bedroom to two bedroom and still have their thing and their persistent cookie, like he could explain that, but like these, you still wouldn't understand what he's saying and the reason you'd hire, you hired him was because you trust him to know the things you don't. And perhaps, let's be honest, to explain it in a way that you can understand. Here's a way you can understand. Based on decisions we've made in the past, that would be too costly to do given the time that we have. Mm. Well, why? You can do this on uh, AOL.com. You know, okay, well, we could talk about that. But then that's another meeting and we're still not doing our thing. So you got cluelessness. I think another level up is being... You know, like I say, though, you could, you could be really arrogant about thinking you know a lot. And you might even, like today, like, I, I heard something the other day, uh, or a couple, maybe a couple of weeks ago on something on NPR about, if you go and, and do a search, like how many people on Twitter 
are regard themselves as social media consultants. <laughs> it was something like over 100,000 people. Really? Yeah. And I, my advice for anybody who's thinking of hiring a social media consultant is ask them what the most successful thing they've ever done that wasn't their own self-promotion. And that could be real surprising. You know, well, I got somebody to change a review on Yelp one time. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you this blank check because of your expertise. You can, so you could go into that and say like, you know, I've got 800 followers. So now I'm, I'm a social media guru. And, but the truth is like, you may not even know how much you don't know. You may not understand the risks that are associated with uh, giving up control. You know, you may not know enough about when you go into that company about the fight that has been existing for years between PR and marketing and sales. Well, you ever try and settle an argument between PR, marketing, and sales? That's a tough... You ever go in and try to get the, the designers and the developers and the back-end people to all agree on something? You go into that and you don't understand. You haven't solved that problem enough to know that you're also a consultant about those relationships. It's going to be hard for you to be good at that. I, I realized later than I should have that me going in and doing a talk about email that didn't take into account the complexities of people's lives and roles inside the company mm -hmm. was really ignorant. Right? I'll get to ignorance in a minute. But... So I think there's cluelessness and there's being unaware. You know what I mean? Like you may know enough to know what something is. Like we joked about, you know, buying a controller for, for rails. Mm. You may just not know enough that you could be aware of what even a good question is to ask. I think that's a kind of stupid. I don't know if this is useful, but I think just calling something stupid doesn't tell you that much about how to break it up. You know, when you feel stupid and when you feel stupid, you feel bad. There are very few things that you do that are the one does that, that's, that's stupid that makes you feel great about yourself. Because stupidity on some way is a failure. It's a fi I mean, <laughs> it is a failure in the sense that you know that you should have known better or should have done better. You should have learned more. You should have thought further. You should have planned better. Shoulda, 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 right? Um, I think there's dumb stuff. I think there's this kind of stupid, which is dumb, which is that I knew enough to know I should have done this differently. Right. And I, I'm, I'm differentiating this from absent-mindedness, but I think dumb is like, oh man, that was a dumb mistake. Like I should not have gone into a contract with that guy. And, you know, for me, that sometimes is my intuition. It's not always great. I consider myself a terrible judge of character and I hate talking about money, which makes me a perfect target for making dumb decisions. Because mm. I'm happy to give my agency to somebody who agrees to take care of this for me, <laughs> which can sometimes be really dumb. Does that, does that make sense? Totally. So, right. So dumb is like, as I say, is should have known better. Dumb is dumb is I did not apply the expertise or knowledge or intuition that I have to this in a way that was canny. Um, right. Like you had, you had what was necessary to have made a better decision and for some reason did not do that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm differentiating that just a little bit. Well, maybe it seems like a, a subtle distinction, but I, I would distinguish that from absent-mindedness. And I don't know if that's what you're talking about with your, with your home wreck, but absent, not absent mindedness, you know, dumb, absent minded and lazy are, are, are different things. Yes. Very right. Lazy is, I just, I knew that I should have changed the oil in 1988 and I didn't, um, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe dumb is that I didn't, wasn't aware enough of that to know what the consequences were. But to me, absent minded is a huge one for me where it's not even a matter of expertise. It's just that I have not put fail safes and rituals and habits into place that would prevent me from doing something boneheaded. It wasn't even, it, it was, it, I didn't think to think. Right. 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 And so I, I'd like to talk a little bit about some ways that I try to prevent that. Okay. But, 
that's that's the kind of thing that'll that'll bite you in the butt. Um, let's talk about a couple more of these, but do you want to tell me about something you like? I would. We have something uh, else to tell people about today. It is a little thing known as Shutterstock. Love Shutterstock. They have over 20 million stock photos. They got vectors. They got your illustrations. They got video clips. People think of them as like a place you go to get photographs. Well, good. You can go and get those there, but there's lots of other stuff. These vectors and illustrations and, and, and like I said, video clips, all of this stuff is there. People will, where am I going to use that? Well, maybe you're building an iOS app. Maybe that's where you're going to use it. Maybe you're developing a, you know, a, a concept for a commercial, for an online video. Tons of really great resources here. you got to go check this stuff out. The images come from all around the world. They come from independent designers and photographers everywhere. And they have an incredible selection. They're adding thousands of images every single day. And it's more affordable than you think. And the nice thing is they don't charge more for the large files. You just download an image, you get it in any size, and you pay only one price. And that's the beautiful part. They don't nickel and dime you. You can create these light boxes. Merlin, you created a ton of light boxes. You can create your, your light box and you can share that with other people. So if you're working collaboratively, if you maybe you're doing some client work, you say, here's what, here's what we were thinking of. They've got a really cool search that lets you search the images based on color and color palettes. And refine your search with search terms. It's really, really awesome. They have 24-hour support during the week. You get a dedicated account rep if you need help. And uh, you don't need to pay anything to go there and set up these light boxes and browse around. You just go to Shutterstock.com. And when you find the images that you like, you're ready to purchase. We've got a special offer code, back to work, all written out, three, the number three. Back to work, three. You will get 30% off any package. Back to work, three. Go check them out, Shutterstock.com. Most amazing. I don't shame on you if you're going anywhere else. I don't know what else to say about that. Shame on you. It, you know, a quickie on this though is Shutterstock.com, Merlin. Uh, just uh, yes, and the light boxes are so great. It's so fun to use on iOS. But it strikes me that this is such an ideal situation. Uh, not to be too specific, but it seems like an ideal situation for a a team that b needs to do lots of stuff with graphics. Mm. And I, I say that because like, if you need to do lots of stuff, well, you're, you're, this is going to, this is going to pay for itself pretty quick. Yeah. But the other thing is that you benefit, this is one of those great services where you really benefit from using it more because I, I, the thing I like to do with them is like, look through, I'll just be browsing. And if you see an image, like, let's say you're going out and you're looking for images of street signs. Well, while you're looking for images of street signs, you might say, Oh, like I just came across this one. that's a really good uh, it's not what I need for street signs, but it's a really cool looking photo of London. And that photo of London might be really good for this other project we're doing about our international locations. So, you, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. you could drop, even though you're, you're mostly using your street sign light box, you could drop that into your international locations drop nice. box. So, you know, it's a kind of ubiquitous capture. And, uh, and then the ability to share that is giant. It's a great service. Really great. Check them out, shutterstock.com. Back to work three. Our thanks to Shutterstock for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. Give me, oh, your, give me, give me the secrets. Give me the tips. Um, I must know them. Spacing out is absent money. And the last one, uh, got to be a little bit mean here. Ignorance. Ooh. And I think, I think, I think ignorance is different from stupidity in general. Stupid, ignorance is a kind of stupidity. But, and I'll just stipulate, I've been ignorant about a lot of things. Uh, I'm not Webster's, but I'll, I, but ignorance in my head means that. Um, maybe, I don't know if you're being stupid, but ignorance to me is willfully refusing to learn more that would make you less stupid. Okay, let me, let me give you a scenario and you tell me what this is. Okay, lightning round. <laughs> well, 
Well, it's just going to be one. Uh, back in, uh, our, in our our home state of Florida, mm. uh, I used to the first home that we owned was in an area called Colonial Town, which was a part of downtown. That <laughs> people wear tricorn hats and churn butter. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd go and you'd help. You'd, you know, I I've got this butter, and they'd, well, I have this. You know, and you'd trade. Welcome to I the have village some of salt. Hemp. Yeah. And uh, so it was called Colonial Town, which is just a little section of the downtown area where people lived. And it was it was very what what you would call what Merlin, you would call hit or miss. Mm. And that some of the homes were places that, you know, a a person might have bought when they were in their 20s, starting out their family. And they just happened to be now 85 and no longer took care of their home. Um, You might have young couples moving in there who have completely fixed up and redone their home. And then you might have people who maybe didn't really have much money at all and built the and bought the house and didn't update it. So it was a very mixed. And across the street from us, uh, on the corner, and uh, this house was eventually just torn down. And when I say torn down, they actually just uh, drove a bulldozer into it until it fell down. But be- prior to that, it was a house that housed a lot of people. And these people would play a certain kind of music and they would play it late into the night. And this was not bass or rap or anything like that. It was another kind of what you would, what you would call ethnic music. (laughs) And this would be played very late into the night. It bothered everyone in the neighborhood. And eventually those people were evicted and the house was, was bulldozed. uh, And, and it went away and the music finally stopped. Were those people, who played this music and they would all, they would all sit outside all of the people in the house or multiple families there. It was like a, it, it, it felt like part of a different time and a different culture that was happening right there on, on that corner. Were those people ignorant? Uh, were they simply careless? What, what were those people? Was that ignorance? In the right. fact that they didn't realize that that it was bothering scores and scores of other people, even even when the police were called regularly to tell them to turn it down, regularly <laughs> multiple times a week. Right. What were they being? What would you say um, they were being? I don't know. I don't know if I would consider that stupid. It's certainly careless and a little bit sociopathic. <laughs> yes. But I mean, was there a downside for them to what they were doing? The downside is the police would come and they would have to interact with the police. And that eventually led to the drug busts. Mm. Oh, I see. They should have been more careful. Right. It sounds like an episode of Cops. It may very well have been. Hmm. I don't know. It's because it, you can certainly see yourself saying to that person, boy, you're acting really stupid right now. Right. Was it stupid? Was it ignorant? What was it? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it fits any of, of our criteria for this, but I would say for myself, my reaction to that might be really stupid. Like I, I'm, a, I might get so mad about that that I don't know. In my own parlance, I would temporarily become somebody that I don't want to be. Yeah, and that would be really for me. That would be really stupid. Like I can't control them and their music, but in in trying to think that I could, I might do something where a day, a day later I go, oh boy, that was stupid. Right. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. really, I, 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 so I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that meets the criteria. I, I know the suburban living is killing us. I'm pretty sure of that. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, again, the narcissism of minor differences. It, like, it, it becomes so easy 
to like, you know, I don't know if it's a suburban thing, but you start, you become so, you like start noticing something so much and then you kind of can't stop noticing it. Mm. Like the sound of somebody chewing. Mm. You ever been in an office and had to listen to somebody chew? Yeah. Or like, or this guy drinking his coffee? <laughs> My stepfather used to drink his coffee like that. Wow. And I couldn't tell you the first time that I heard it, but then I spent, I spent two years dreading the next time that I would hear him doing that. Oh, man. I'm like that with chewing. Like, yeah, you, once you start, if I could ruin your day, Dan, start noticing the next time you're near somebody and hear him chewing. I don't, I, I don't think about it until I think about it, and then right. I can't stop thinking about it. That doesn't bother me, but I'll start paying more attention to it. Mm, yes, it does. Sure, it does. Ignorance. It doesn't really, but... I, uh, I'm going to put this in show notes. Um, I, I don't know if this is the one I first saw, but this is so great. This is on the, the, the This Old House site. I've also seen things. You know what? I'll put the fail one in too, but Home Inspection Nightmares. Have you ever seen these? Like, I have not. Like, oh, like like people who go in and and it just do incredibly dangerous things to their home. Have you ever seen this? Where, where people have like an octopus of cords, you know, over their bathtub or something like that. Hmm. Just just to, to amuse ourselves, I'll put that in. Um, we're running a little... Uh, it is Tuesday, and we probably should wrap up soon. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, the ignorance part is difficult, though. In, in some ways, the, the ignorance part... And again, I'm, I'm not trying to say... I, I don't know another word for that, but it's, it's if you have this continuum, ignorance and cluelessness are kind of on... Almost like kind of on two ends of a continuum. Like with cluelessness... Like you, you don't even know what you don't know. You're wrong, but you don't even know you're wrong or you're not, you know what I mean? Like when you're clueless, you're, you know, you're like a child wandering in the middle of a movie. <laughs> you're out of your element. Yeah. I don't. But on the other end, you, ignorance is like, you think, you know, lots of stuff and your certainty about that is, is so deeply ingrained that the more people try to maybe even very nicely tell you that you're doing it wrong, the more dug in you get. For myself, I think this happens with politics. Mm. I almost said civics, but civics is a good thing. But in politics, like we pick a side, like, you know, the Yankees versus the Cowboys or whatever. And then we get on our one one side of that and we get so dug in that we almost kind of dehumanize, you know, the other side. Mm -hmm. And do you know what I mean, though? That the, the ignorance is the most dangerous of them, though, because you're not even open to the idea that there could be a different way to do it. Right. I don't know what snaps us out of that sometimes apart from you know, hard experience. You know what I mean? Making, sometimes it isn't until we're in an impossible situation that we have to confront how ignorant we are or for that matter, how stupid we are. So I want to talk a little bit about how to, how I've tried to address this. (laughs) I I told this story before, but it's funny because the first book I didn't finish was with uh, Danny O'Brien. We're writing a book for O'Reilly on life hack stuff. And I remember I was talking to Danny on the phone. It was, of course, during one of our many times that we were very flustered about how the project was going. And Danny had gotten me back into Benjamin Franklin because Benjamin Franklin's kind of the original life hacker. Like he was amazing. Polymath, um, Coxman, like he was just an amazing, amazing smart person. I was reading the biography of Benjamin Franklin, which I had gotten from the library. And I remember I was talking to Danny on my future phone, walking around and there's a a um, mailbox right across the street from our library. And so uh, I was getting ready to go back and drop my biography book into the, uh, you know, the return slot. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Danny and uh, I did something really, really stupid. And I just said to Danny, um, only you will truly appreciate this. I said, but you have to keep in mind that, that Ben Franklin, I don't, know if, I don't think he invented the lending library 
but he was certainly the guy who made lending libraries popular in the United States. Mm -hmm. But he was also kind of the father of the U.S. postal system. And so it was particularly elegant that I did not put my envelope with the stamp into the mailbox, Mm -hmm. but I dropped my copy of the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin (laughs) into a mailbox. (laughs) And I stood there. Do you you see the beauty of this, though? I see it, yes. Franklin had basically invented the two things that I confused, (laughs) and I'm standing there holding my (laughs) electric bill in my hand, and, you know, there's a part of me that I wanted to hang up the phone and I, I was tempted to just go walk over to the library and put my electric bill into the slot just for complete elegance. Right. That's, I don't know what stupid that is. That, that's probably absolutely smart. That, what, that's what that is. Because at the time I was in my late 30s and had a fair amount of experience with electric bills and libraries yeah. and mailboxes. But, boy, you talk about feeling stupid. I mean, that's just dumb. In that case, I think that was just kind of like not paying attention. Right. That, I think that's a certain kind of absent-mindedness. And absent-mindedness can make you feel really, really stupid because you know you should have known better. You know you should have paid more attention. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It isn't, I don't know, this is a derail a little bit, but it's interesting to me how the different flavors of stupidity affect us in different ways, right? Like the absent-mindedness in my case makes me want to go in and build, it, build, it, build in like means for hopefully not making that mistake again. You know, like cause in the Apollo movie where they put the tape and say, you know, don't hit this button no matter what you do. Right. There's a part of you then where you become compulsive about it and you start thinking, oh, I heard a story about somebody who left their oven on and now I have to keep checking my oven or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing, one thing goes, goes stupid. Like you're like, you know, my daughter's a pretty safe kid, but sometimes she'll do something really stupid and then you like run around the house trying to make sure that thing can never happen again. You start overcompensating. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of thing that I do. But if I were ignorant... I might blame the post office. Why would, you, why would you put a mailbox so close to a library? Obviously, people are going to mix these up. I mean, that's a certain kind of ignorance because I, instead of trying to find, it sounds silly, but instead of me trying to find a pattern for improvement there, I start blaming other people for why the world is the way it is, which very rarely ends up with anything good happening. Um, mm. So, so fail-safes. Um, classic one from uh, the Getting Things Done book. The, the, maybe the canonical life hack you know, if you keep forgetting your briefcase or your backpack, in my case, um, put it in front of the door so that you literally can't walk out the door without dealing with that item. And, and here, here's the beautiful part about why people are going to hear that and continue to be ignorant is that they think that they never have that problem, right? I mean, like if you've got a kid, I mean, in my case, like I'm always so flustered trying to get out of the house. I always forget at least one thing and I got to run up the steps and get another thing. I don't know if you do this, but like, I, I can't, it's so hard to get, I don't know how you do it with two kids. It's so hard to get one kid out of the house. Like no, it's ridiculous. Remember, so my wife has packed her lunch. I have to remember to take the little freezy thing out of the freezer and put it into her lunch, right? You don't want to do that the night before or anything. You want to put that in with it. I got to write her, her have a nice lunch note and put that in. I have to put that into this bag with her. And this like today I had to put in her rain jacket. I get the jacket and I gave her an extra pair of shoes. Like there's already like six things we got to do there. You can't do it all the night before. There's, there's weird dependencies to that. Now we got to get out the door and she wants a Z bar before we leave. Mm. And I'm going to forget something. So like, you know, again, the night before, why not find a way to do what I can the night before but then also make sure in this case, if there's something, if it, it's like right now they have, this is silly, but silly to tell, but like they, every week there's a new letter and then everybody brings in something. You have to guess what that item is in a bag or whatever. So, oh my gosh, it's S week and she wants to bring a snake. So we got to find a snake or whatever. Like if I can do that the night before, why wouldn't I put the snake in a bag and leave it right in front of the steps, right? 
so silly. Why? Because I don't make that mistake, right? Well, the ignorance would be looking past how absent-minded I am. Wouldn't that make sense to do that? Right. Because now I'm becoming less stupid by being aware of how stupid I can be. And, you know, I'll never forget when I was a kid, I, I always would lose my belt. I had this little black <laughs> belt with a Winnie <laughs> the Pooh on the buckle. This is like first grade. And I was always forgetting it. Now, when I was a kid, you didn't wear jeans to school. You didn't wear your dungarees. You had to wear slacks like a gentleman. Right. Right. And a gentleman wears a belt. And my poor mother, every single morning, I had no idea where my belt was. And that must have made her feel like a crazy person. And so, you know, what we finally learned to do when you take off your belt, you can go hang it on the doorknob over here. And now we'll know where the belt is. It's so simple. And for me right now, like I have this standard kit that I carry everywhere, which is like, it's my wallet, my field notes notebook, my pen, my keys, and my earphones. Like if I forget my earphones, I'm so sad. Hmm. I, I listen to so much music. So, so here's how dumb I am. I'm so dumb that I'm smart enough to know that those always go in a group in the same place. You know, if I take, if I got to go take the uh, USB drive out of my wallet and stick it in, like I better remember if I want to have that USB with my wallet, I, you know what I do? I keep my wallet over by the USB thing, but <laughs> so I won't forget it. But ordinarily 95 times out of a hundred, I make sure that those items, including the wallet, all stay in one place. Cause you ever lose your keys. You ever have your kid hide your keys or something like oh, that. Yeah. All right. Cause you're already late. You're already running behind. So, so anyway, all I'm trying to say is that that's a ritual if, you know, always put your keys in the same place, unless you don't have a problem with this and you can just go throw them in a pond for all I care. But like, that's the kind of thing that really makes sense. Like, do you know exactly where your fire extinguisher is in mm -hmm. your kitchen? Mm -hmm. Okay. Remember now when your kitchen goes on fire, like you're really going to remember where that is. Now, knowing where that fire extinguisher is, have you checked it late lately to make sure that it's still charged? Because that's going to really matter to you. And even if you're smart enough to remember where your fire extinguisher is, if you have not checked it, you might be really surprised to know that it, it has since expired and doesn't have a charge anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you make sure you do stuff like that? Like you build in a failsafe. You might put that as a calendar item. Um, anyway, I, I think that the, the failsafes are a way of like making sure that you don't make a dumb mistake that you're really likely to make. The rituals mean that like you figure out something that you can habituate yourself to and then always do it over and over. And if you do it over and over, then that builds into a habit. So, you, you know, the problem is, though, there's the ignorance or the pig-headedness that makes us think we don't need things like that. And then it won't be in this case. It won't be today. It won't be until I get to the office that I realize I left my iPad at home because I know I should always put my iPad in my bag after it's charged. I don't know. This makes me sound like a crazy person. But and then to, finally, um, there's a way, way, way bigger pattern here that I think helps with all of these things. And I would just call that curiosity, oddly enough. So if you learn to treasure a sense of curiosity, a lot of good things are going to happen. Um, at the personal level, you're going to be more open to the fact that you're doing something stupid. If you develop a curiosity about what you could be doing better, you can improve a lot of this stuff. So, you know, what could be worse than making the same dumb mistake over and over and not even realize how often you've made that dumb mistake? You know what I mean? Like yeah. in my case, like right now I'm using this keyboard Jamie gave me that I like to, you know, keep nearby for when I do podcasts. And I really do. I literally put it next to my desk. This might be more fun to organize and put into an electronics area, but that's like not where I need it. I may forget that I even have it until the podcast start and I can just grab it right here. The context of putting that stuff in the right place. Like 
But that takes a certain amount of curiosity. Like if I, if I become incurious about what stuff I'm doing stupidly, if I don't do stuff, like remember to check if there's a flashcard in my fancy camera before we go somewhere, right. that takes a certain awareness. Okay, final, final thing. At a high level, that curiosity means you start ameliorating your ignorance problem by always wondering if there's a way that you could be getting this less wrong. Mm. It takes a certain amount of humility to understand, no, it takes a giant amount of humility. Yeah, I was going to say. It does. It does. Because the people, the people with longevity in life, the people who stay interesting are the people who stay curious. And Roderick and I have talked about this. We're like, if you're a music fan, I think, I think it was Leonard Bernstein uh, who said something like, you're not obligated to appreciate any music that was written during your lifetime. <laughs> That's his joke about classical music. But, you know, like for me, like I go and I listen to one of these crappy bands and it just makes me want to go listen to the Buzzcocks. I hear some like some some goofy band and I shut down. Remember like like Steve Martin's bit? Oh, you know, right. Sorry, we're closed. Like, you know, we're not going to go camping. Well, that means you become less curious. You become more calcified. If I stop listening, if I be, consider myself a music fan and stop being open to the idea that there could be interesting music out there that I haven't heard, if I start closing my mind to the fact that there might be a better kind of computer device, but really if I start closing my mind to the idea that there might, some of the things I think I'm most right about could be precisely the things that I'm most wrong about because the certainty that I have brought to that is keeping me incurious about how I could be wrong. And the more that, the more of the, ironically enough, the more evidence to the contrary comes up to show me that the world is not flat and the vaccines are not killing kids, turns out. The more that that information arises and I dig in further, the more ignorant I become. So to me, that curiosity also in your career means things like reading widely, talking to people who don't agree with you about things. And anytime you encounter something where you're feeling a lot of resistance, like, wow, the world really seems to like this thing a lot more than me. One of the best things you can do is to either on your own or even better talking to other people, try to discover the smartest person there is who disagrees with you about something. Because first of all, there's definitely somebody smarter than you. Like, don't worry about that. But who's the smartest person who disagrees with you? And if you go and hear them out, if you talk to them, if you read what they think, it might make your position stronger if you actually are right. But it also gives you a viewport into something that you could be getting really, really wrong. And it never hurts to hear someone articulate tell you something you didn't want to hear. I think that can really change your life. Somebody said to ask you about your garage door. It's fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> It's not like I've done this before. You mean failed? <clears throat> and stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna tell me, are you? No. Okay. If I hit you up like in another month or so, you think you'll be I'll tell you in a week from today, Tuesday. Or two. Oh, so it's a couple Tuesdays from now. Yeah. There was a great website I saw a few years ago via I think it was via Metafilter. Um <clears throat> we could probably find it again, but it was a really cool website where every day there was a new post. And it was this person who had talked to people in all different fields and said, what's the single best, like, what's the smartest thing you've learned in your job? Or like, if you had to explain like the best thing, you know, the best tip based on doing your job, like what would that be? And it could be something like a woodworker. It could be a librarian. It could be anybody. But the one that just, I think about this like three times a week was somebody who did a customer service mm -hmm. in supporting computers. I think I've told you this, but I, I love this so much. Um, there's a really, really persistent problem when you're dealing with somebody. And certainly I've been that guy who gets on with Comcast and goes, no, I have a Mac. I know how it works. And inevitably, you know what? 
me, smarty pants guy who does computer stuff, I will realize that some aspect of it literally was not actually plugged in. It's, it's really humbling. Like, is it plugged in, right? That's the famous question that any yeah. customer service person will ask. Yeah. Is it plugged and in? And when somebody asks you if it's plugged in, like, what do you say? Of course it's plugged in. Of course it's plugged in. I'm not stupid. So this customer service person, <laughs> their single best thing to share, when you're talking to somebody, you don't even ask them whether it's plugged in. You say, okay, we just need to troubleshoot a few things. I love this so much. Um, and so uh, just, just before we get started, um, sometimes there can be a problem with dust in the prongs of the, of the USB cable. Right. The electric alley. Could you do me a favor and just pull the plug out of the wall, make sure everything's shut down, pull the plug out of the wall, and if you can, just blow all the dust out of the prongs and then plug it back in. Ah, that's a little sneaky way to get them. An extraordinary amount of time, the person goes, oh, okay, that fixed it. <laughs> Why did it work? It worked because that person's smart, right? They're smart. They're not stupid. They know it's plugged in, but you know what? It wasn't plugged in. And instead of asking that person, is it plugged in? They had them do this activity that made them realize that they were being stupid. They didn't have to say that that person was being stupid. And in my case, like with me, they wouldn't have to argue for 30 minutes and talk about how I used to use Gopher. Like, no, like just ask me to book. It's not going to work for everything. I don't know. But that person, that customer service person had to be smart enough to know that that person didn't want to be stupid. And that by having them be a smart person who's participating in the process, they discover on their own what they didn't know. So I try to be better about that. Mm -hmm. I don't like calling customer service, but I, I, I'm that way sometimes. How do you get somebody out of their ignorance? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it, is it that it hit something because you closed it while, uh, while something was under there? Want to button this up? Yeah, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. 